Welcome to an Espresso Shot of Confidence, the podcast that explores all aspects of confidence, challenges to booze and unhelpful narratives, and empowers you to be awesome, loudly and proudly. I'm your host, the master of awesomeness, Ashley Griffiths. And today we will be talking about changing career paths, homeschooling, and the wonderful world of copywriting. Now, there was a time when you would have a job for life or spend all your time in roles in a specific industry. However, these days, many people are shifting career paths multiple times during their working lives. I know I have. And an increasing number are diving into the world of entrepreneurship post-lockdown or lockdowns, as it was. So who better to talk to about this than Michelle Eshkeri, a financial services copywriter at Let Me Write. She has worked in a large variety of roles over the years, including accountant, teacher, trainer, as well as taking care of the homeschooling of her two sons. So let's start with copywriting. Okay. So you started your copywriting business back in 2019, right? That's right. Yes. Yeah. About September 2019. So just a little over three years ago now. Fabulous. So it's gone really quickly, actually. Oh, I'm enjoying it. It's the right thing for me to be doing at the moment. Love that. Love that. And what, what led you into doing that? Well, I have an accountant by trade, as you mentioned. So um, I spent many years, like 23 years working in accountancy in um, mainly in one company, but a variety of different roles. Um, and that sort of uh, was going great until a uh, big organization come along, which you know often happens and it's happening a lot at the moment with corporates, like we've seen with Twitter, for example. It's not <laughs> quite as bad as that. But um, there was an organisation and I had a part-time job at that time, which was great, suited me, suited my family because I had small children. Um, and I was working partly from home as well, which was, was quite um, progressive back then. But uh, as I say, reorganisation, they wanted me to go back to full-time hours and five days in the office. And uh, yeah, it was just going to be too difficult. So I took redundancy. Went and worked in my son's school for a couple of terms because I was considering retraining to be a primary school teacher, which was great fun, but didn't really like the politics, didn't like the policies, you know, style of education. So that wasn't going to be for me. Uh, so I decided to retrain in adult education because I'd done a lot of training and, um, you know, run training courses and, and training whole training projects and all sorts of things in my previous job as an accountant. And I, I quite enjoyed sort of, you know, being out there and, and teaching. Sure. So I retrained um, with Uni, University of Bedfordshire um, to do antenatal education. So completely different wow. from accountancy. <laughs> I mean, it couldn't be, really be more different. <laughs> yeah, um, so. But uh, so after I had my second son, I really wanted to, to I considered and actually applied to do midwifery as a degree, um, but I, I couldn't get on the course because they'd already allocated all the places and they offered me nursing. Didn't really want to do that. Sure. So this was sort of like a, an alternative way to get into the world of parenting. Um, so yeah, retrained and ran and set up a business running that for about eight years whilst I home educated the kids, which we talk about in a bit. Um, but whilst I was doing that role, I obviously had to write a lot of stuff for my business to promote it. So I was sure. writing blogs about parenting and childbirth to get my um, website to the top of Google locally so people would come on my courses. And I really enjoyed that. So, yeah, in 2019, when I was kind of falling out of love with the um, antenatal classes for various different reasons, I was thinking, right, what do I do next? I knew that my kids were going to be moving on. Yeah, I'd taken them through their GCSEs, that one was going to college, one was going to go and do an apprenticeship. And I thought, right, what do I enjoy? I, I did consider going back to bookkeeping or accountancy, but it just felt like a backward step. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, I, I like writing. Maybe I can write for other businesses. So I toddled along to a local um, uh, women's networking group um, that I'd previously been a member of when I was promoting my antenatal classes at First Aid. I went back there and uh, it was quiet. It was August 2019, so 
lot of people on holiday. There weren't sure. very many people there, but there was one woman there who was a mindfulness trainer. I didn't really know very much about mindfulness. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I was chatting to her and um, she said, oh, well, I, you know, I'm, I'm struggling at the moment. I need to write my website. My web designer's sort of hustling me to give him the text. And I, I don't really know how to do it. I know what I want to say, but, you know, I can't write very well. And I said, look, this is actually what I said to her. I've never written something for someone else before. I don't really know anything about mindfulness, but let me go away and write a couple of pages of your website. And if you like it, great. And if you don't, just put it in the bin. Because I'm thinking about setting up as you know, a business writer, a copywriter, and it would be good for me to see how well I can do this. She was like, mm, all right then. So Love I went, <laughs> went home. Spent the whole afternoon writing these pages for her, sent it back. She goes, I don't know how you've done that. It sounds exactly like me. It's exactly what I want to say. Just go, yeah, write the rest of it for me. So she was my first paying client. And I thought, oh, maybe I can do this. Oh, I love I'm that. here three years later with, you know, hundreds of clients under my belt. So I guess I can do it. Oh, I'd say so. Oh, fair play to you. I mean, for, I mean following that passion, you know, you in something you enjoyed and you thought, you know what? I'm going to go for it. I love the fact that you went after your passion there. And I know there's a lot of people like when, when they're starting out or thinking about changing their careers or anything like that. And they're thinking, oh, I don't know. Can I do that? Will people pay me for that? And, and maybe like you were saying in your journey, they'll stick with what they know. So what advice would you give to anyone right now that's thinking, you know what, I'm going to. I've got this passion. I think I could get paid for this. I think this could become a business. What would you say to them? I think, you know, just don't be held back by fear. Um, just, you know, go for it. Try it out. Obviously, you know, if, if somebody is um, thinking about moving from employment to self-employment, then, you know, that, that is a big, uh, a big decision to make. But, you know, there's scope, isn't there, to um, do things on a part-time basis and see what works before you actually make the full transition. So I would say, you know, just do it because you only get one go and you might as well be happy while you're having your go at life. Oh, I love that. And it makes it so much easier, doesn't it? You know, if you're you're doing something that you actually enjoy. Um, Absolutely. I mean, I get up and it doesn't feel like work. You know, I've worked, I've had some amazing projects that I've worked on. I've just finished writing some books for uh, a company in the US, their children's books. Um, and they're going to be, what well, they're being illustrated by someone else because I can't even draw a stick person. But um, I've done the writing alongside the two guys who hired me to do the writing. So we're all co-authors okay. of these four children's books. So that was a, a really fun project, which is obviously not a lot to do with what, you know, my bread and butter work that I do, which is financial services, copywriting. Oh, fabulous, fabulous. So, yeah, you, you get to do things that you really enjoy doing and people pay you at the same time. What, what's not to like? So it's, it's a win-win, it's a win-win, right? It's an absolute okay. win-win. Oh, I look forward to seeing uh, seeing when the kid books come out. Yeah, yeah. So do uh, I. I'm not sure when the first one's coming. Oh, I love that. And, and as a fellow stick man drawer... Um, yeah, I was once told I used to, I I know I'm not a very good drawer and I used to use that to my advantage when I was a teacher. So I'd do these ridiculous drawings and and I'd be like, okay, so what do you see on the board? And they'd be like, we've no idea teacher. And I said, let your imagination run wild. And then they'd eventually guess it. And they'd be like, what are you talking about? How the hell is that an elephant? (laughs) It looks like a squiggle. And uh, bless them, I remember one class, they gave me a leaflet one day saying, teacher, I think you need to go here. And it was for art classes. <laughs> Cheeky buggers. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, children's lawyer. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you mentioned copywriting right now. So you set up a copywriting business. Mm-hmm. Yep. And on, I read on your profile when I was when I was researching for this episode that you were challenging the notion that anyone can do copy and you just mentioned an example of your first client um that's a very common one i know there's web developers all over the world that pulling their hair out about this one write your bloody copy but people don't for various reasons 
for anyone out there that isn't truly familiar with what a copywriter does, can you just let them know a little bit about the role? Sure. Yeah. So um, we've got content writers and copywriters. So there's a, there's a bit of a debate sometimes in the in the industry about what each one does and whether there's actually the same. Um, so a content writer, I would say, is somebody who writes informational, educational content, which helps grow your authority as a brand. Um, you know, makes gives wins trust with your audience. People respect you as somebody who knows what they're talking about. Whereas copy, or what we might be saying, direct response copy, is more sales driven, generally speaking. So that would be things like letters and emails, which want the person who's reading it to take an immediate action following uh, having read all the way through the copy. So copywriters, or some copywriters, um, get upset when content writers call themselves copywriters. And it's, uh, But I, I think actually all content can have a call to action on sure. it. It doesn't necessarily have to be a hard you know, sales-driven call to action. I always put a call to action on any of the blogs that I write. So it might be, you know, um, what do you think? So it could just be a question or it could be, um, you know, download this piece of additional content. Um, yeah. It doesn't have to be, you know, buy my stuff now type uh, call to action. So so copywriters, the broad term of copywriters would include people who are writing websites, uh, people writing search engine optimized blogs and artic print articles and sales emails and sales letters and flyers and basically anything that is marketing collateral for another business will probably come under the term of what a copywriter does. Okay. What we don't do is anything to do with copyright, which is a legal term. Yes. Uh, which is sometimes uh, people do get confused over that. Okay. Yes, yeah, yeah totally. That, that oh, absolutely, absolutely. And that, I think certainly when I first saw the term copywriter, I remember I used to do the, it was more content writing, but I remember my, my guy, when at a company I was working for a long time ago, I was doing the, the Facebook page and newsletters and stuff. And he was like, well, you're the copywriter. So anytime sales and stuff, it was like, what's this got to do with copyright? Mm -hmm. I had no idea at the time. I was like, like, what are we doing here? <laughs> We're doing a trademark or something. It is, it is confusing for people. And, and copywriting is a very strange term, really. Sure. Yeah, because you're not really copying. Because <laughs> if you are, then you're probably not doing the best piece of content. That's very true, yeah. Yeah, I never thought about that. It I, I, it, it's kind of a strange word to use, copy. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to do my copy. Yeah. Yeah, I think that definitely... You know, in the literal sense of the word, it immediately thinks, and this is a big no-no, right, as well yeah, in, in, plagiarism, in the world. Right? Plagiarism. Yeah. So, yeah. So lots of confusion around the terms, I think. And so for anyone who is giving it a go to start with, for whatever reason, they're, they're pop popping some content out onto social media or something like that, mm -hmm. and they don't consider themselves a writer, what advice would you give to them uh, when they're starting out? I think the best advice I can give is to keep it simple. Um, you know, the advice is sort of write for a 12-year-old. That's not to say, um, you know, it needs to be completely dumbed down, but there's no point in using really technical jargon mm. or long sentences, long paragraphs that are hard to, you know, for your reader to work through. You're putting up unnecessary barriers there. Yeah. So just keep it simple, short work. You know, short sentences, um, fairly short paragraphs, plenty of white space, because then your reader is, you've got more chance that your reader actually gets through the text than not. Well, that's true. I mean, these days, especially, say, if you're on socials, um, if you've got big blocks of text, people are like, yeah. It's too dense. They, they haven't got the time or you know, energy to get through it. Yeah. Yeah. That's not going to stop the zombie scroll, as I call it. <laughs> So let's go back in time a little while. So you worked for GSK uh, for 19 years in yes. a variety of roles uh, before stepping out into the world of freelancing and self-employment. Now, one of the reasons people often hold back from going solo 
is the fact that they think they're going to lose the security of paid employment, all of the perks that come with that. Yeah. And so what would you say? I mean, obviously we're in uncertain times at the moment um, with the economy, with everything going on, with redundancies and everything. So I'm sure there's lots of people that are thinking right now, maybe, maybe now's the time to do this, to, to take the plunge. So what would you say to anyone that is thinking of taking that leap into self-employment in 2023? Um, I think three things. So the first thing I would say is um, have at least six months of expenses saved up before you, you know, completely uh, quit, quit your yeah. full-time job because then you don't have to worry about making money immediately. And that yeah. makes a big difference to how you approach your business and the sorts of clients that you, you work with. You won't be feeling like you have to work with everyone. So that kind of is the second point, which is, don't be afraid to say no to a client who isn't a good fit for you, um, you know, for your services or for your business values, because invariably, um, I've only done it a couple of times, but I've regretted it both times where you've got that uneasy feeling that perhaps this isn't going to go great right from the outset. And it doesn't go great because, you know, you should trust your gut. And the third thing is to research your target audience, uh, you know, meticulously to understand their pain points inside and out and develop this you know, compelling offer that addresses their problems. Because if you have that, then it sells itself more or less. Yeah. Yeah, I totally get so that. Those are the three things I think would be, I'd say to somebody who was considering making that leap. Yeah, I couldn't agree more as well. I think definitely the second one there resonates massively with me the saying no i think that was the most powerful lesson i learned in year one mm -hmm. uh, because i said yes a lot we all do when, you when know i started out <laughs> yeah um, i mean because... it's it's not a bad thing to say yes to a sure. variety of clients because it helps you to find out what you like where sure. your strengths are what you really don't like and it can help you to hone you know, it yourself into a niche, which can be beneficial. I'm not saying everyone should have a niche, but it can help you. So knowing what you don't like is as important as knowing mm. what you do like and what are the good clients for you. So, yeah, that's true. You know, but it's like, if you're really getting that nagging feeling about a client, just say no. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's that. I know certainly when you start off with not much in the way of funds in the background, it, it, it can become well i need to get cash flow i need yeah, to get that and, sure. and, and the scarcity mindset can kick in and you do yeah. say yes you do ignore your and that's gut. why i say have at least six months of expenses to yeah. pull back on because then you don't feel under pressure so much to say yes to those people yeah good gives you more time to do the other stuff like the market research as well that's so vital and i think a lot of people don't do this when yeah, they, when they kick off cool. you know you potentially you can try it out on a part-time basis as well yeah. before you finally uh leave paid employment obviously yeah. you can get made redundant you know quickly you can't but yeah. um hopefully you've got a redundancy bit of a redundancy you know slush fund that you can fall back on while you get up and running yeah i, I think, think you know realistically you need six months to start getting clients on a consistent basis it doesn't happen overnight no let's be honest it doesn't for most people and but saying that we're surrounded by messages on social media saying that there's all these programs and everything that's saying buy this program and it will happen overnight <laughs> what we what, what would you <laughs> Yeah. It's easy to get sucked into those things at the start. Yeah. Because obviously you, you know, you could think, oh, great, that'll be the, that'll be the thing that makes the difference. And you do the course, of course, it might have worked for the person who's, who's put the course together, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work for everybody. Yeah. So yeah, I, I would be cautious about, you know, those things that offer a quick fix to your problem. Yeah. yeah. Oh, totally. I think. Because it takes time, doesn't it? And I think it does. Like you were saying about when you said yes, when your body was saying no, 
there's so much positive feedback that comes from that from from maybe the not particularly pleasant working experience of working in that project or stuff you like i'm not doing that again and that is invaluable totally yeah absolutely so what are the three things you love most about running your own business um okay so first of all i would say flexibility mm-hmm. so this is you know the fact that i can work when where with whom and if I want to work, you know, I can do what I like. Yeah. So, you know, and it also means that I can explore options that if I were in, you know, if I were in paid employment, uh, doing sales and marketing, you know, in a company that I wouldn't have access to. So for example, recently I've started working with a company in New Zealand, nice. which is challenging because of the time difference. Sure. So there's a, quite a lot of delay, you know, you have to build that into the fact that you know you write an email and they're not going to see it for eight to 12 hours so you you know you have to work in a different way than if you're working with somebody in the uk but that's that's quite good fun so you know i like the fact that i can pick and choose who i want to work with and i can do that saying no when i feel that it's not the right person second thing would be having autonomy which Mm. is kind of similar in a way but you know it's again it's the, the freedom to design services and products the way I want to do it um, and not be sort of dictated to by the higher powers that be, um, you know, if you're in a company. And I think the third thing that I really enjoy about um, owning my own business is is the thrill of, you know, winning new clients. But but also almost more is the thrill of getting repeat clients Mm. because that is very validating. People don't come back to you if they weren't particularly happy with the service they yeah. just don't they might give you an okay testimonial you know because people kind of don't want to say you know it's this rubbish or whatever yeah. but they definitely won't give you more money so repeat clients is, is fantastic absolutely love that yeah yeah i'm, I'm going to echo all of those three things certainly um just this week on the flexibility and the autonomy as well is there's you know there's the world cup today Um, and I've got some personal stuff going on on Thursday and I don't have to jump through any hoops. Fantastic, isn't it? I'm going out with a friend today, tomorrow, Christmas shopping. We do it every year, you know, and we just choose a day and off we go. Yeah. Take any day's holiday. I mean, obviously the downside is I don't get paid tomorrow. Yeah. I kind of do because I have retainer clients, so every day... You know, I kind of get paid, if that makes sense. But, you know, and obviously I don't get sick pay, but unfortunately I'm not sick very often. So, you know, it's all good. Yeah, I think you make it work for you, don't you? And it's like... You know, and and the other day, um, my son, we don't see much of him. He's he's just started university. So he's he's living at home, but he's out a lot. And he was at home in the morning and I planned to do certain client work. And he just said, one do you fancy going up the road for a coffee? It's like, yep. So he just dropped everything immediately and went and spent time with him. And it was great oh, that it. I could do that because it doesn't happen all that often. So being able to take those opportunities when they come along is, is one of the most fantastic things about being self-employed. Yeah, I think that was something I didn't truly take advantage of the first couple of years mm-hmm. because I was too busy being busy. Yeah. Um, that. I mean, you know, the first year I was working quite hard, long hours to get things yeah. off the ground. But now I, I don't. To be honest with you, I probably work about three and a half, four days a week maximum. Never yeah. work weekends. Not really working past five o'clock. Sometimes yeah. don't work past two o'clock. So on a Thursday, I go out with a friend of mine for coffee every week. We go for a walk, we go for coffee. I generally don't go back to work after I get back from that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, same here. I won't. Um, that was something that I got very conscious of earlier on this year. It's like, this, this, there's not enough balance here. It's too much work. You're saying no to people a lot. You know, I'm sorry, I can't. I'm busy. I'm busy. Mm-hmm. It can wait. Yeah. Well, there, the there thing was, is, it, you know, there isn't, obviously there's, there is time, but it's not yeah. infinite. So we need yeah. to, you know, get a balance between work and life. And and do what works for you. I mean, if people want to work, you know, get up at five o'clock in the morning and work till ten o'clock at night, that is their call. I mean, I don't yeah. think it's particularly healthy personally, 
but it is up to them. You know, yeah. I don't think we should be, you know, telling people how they should live their lives, yeah. which you do see a lot of on social media. So I try and scroll past all that rubbish. Yeah, I mean, most of that stuff is I've managed to kind of purge from my feeds now. Um, yeah, I, I don't really subscribe to the hustle culture. I I don't. It's certainly not how it's portrayed. Um, there's a connection of mine who explored what hustle actually means and uh-huh. compared to what it's portrayed as, like you're constantly, you're waking up, you know, you know, sleepers for losers, that sort of stuff. Nah, no, nah, you, you will definitely be the loser at some point if you don't sleep. Yeah. Right. And you're, you're all... well, I mean, they need all sorts of burnout and mental health issues. So who wants that? Yeah. I'm it, no, it's just not a good position to be in. Sleep, sleep is your ally, you Absolutely. know. Absolutely, and, so. and and holidays as well. You know, you need to take a proper break every now and again. Um, well, you know, you're I, preaching to the converted there. Yeah, well, ditto. <laughs> I mean, you know, I've been travelling around Europe quite a bit the last few months, which has been fantastic. And again, yeah, I mean, just. Just what you're saying about that flexibility and that travel, I mean, it's one of the, the reasons why I set up this business originally was to give myself that freedom to travel, to come and go as I please. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not literally, I mean, I think it's sometimes portrayed in a certain light online like for people that do have this sort of lifestyle that you're like, you know what, I can't be bothered, I'm just going. You know, and and you're living the the jet set lifestyle. I mean, you've got to put the work in to get that for sure. But the fact that you can actually go mm-hmm. and you can book those time in, and and the fact that I was like, I've worked really hard this year. I'm just going to take six weeks off because I didn't get any holidays during lockdown. So that's exactly what I did. Yeah, why not? Why not? And 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 the world didn't explode. Right. So <laughs> it's uh, funny that, isn't it? I, I have a, like, I've ever been. You know, I can't take can't take a day off LinkedIn because it will all go, come tumbling down. No, it won't. Yeah, I, I was just talking to to one of my contacts about this. She's just taken um, taken a bit of time off. Like she commented on a post, and that's how it got into my feed about this guy who turned into a LinkedIn lurker this week. I said, "Mate, you ain't a LinkedIn lurker. You're really active. You were just burnt out, dude." <laughs> and she called it, and she called it out. And I kind of came in and we started talking about take the time out. It will be there when you get back. Exactly. Yes, you might have to work a little bit to get to where you were with your engagement, whatever matters to you, but yeah, it'll be there. But at the end of the day, you know, if you're completely burnt out, you know, suffering with anxiety and depression, that's going to have a far worse effect yeah. than taking a few days off LinkedIn could ever have. Yeah, totally that. Yeah. Totally that. So in terms of, we've kind of touched on potentially some challenges here, but for you personally, you know, for anyone, again, who's thinking about this whole business uh, world, what three things do you find the most challenging with uh, running a business? Okay. So I think one of them would be um, trying to do too many things at the same time, right? So there's so many different things you want to do as a new business. You have to, things that you have to get up and running. Mm -hmm different products, different services, you know, and there's always the next shiny thing around the corner. And so trying to, you know, to do too many things at once, I think is, is a big potential issue because you'll end up either burnt out or you'll do them, but they won't be great quality because you've spread yourself too thin. Yeah. That'd be the first thing. Um, I think the second thing is sort of back to the shiny object, but it's, it's just be, being coming distracted by what other people are doing. Worrying about what's going on, you know, with the people in, let's say, your LinkedIn network and being too concerned about how they're doing, what they're doing, you know, what's working for them, what's not working. No, no, that that is just, that is a total distraction. Mm -hmm. So it's hard to ignore because it's there in your face all the time. I think you have to try and keep in your own lane and, and, you know, be focused on what you want to do. Yeah. and, And kind of do it your own way as well. I mean, there's so many you know, LinkedIn trainers, gurus, whatever they want to call themselves, saying you must do it this way. No, you don't have to do it that way. It might have worked. Again, 
like a course. It might have worked for them. It doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work for you. You might not have the same target audience. You might have a completely different project. You might be a process or, you know, or, or service or product. So just kind of be mindful that it's okay to do things your own way. Yeah. And the third thing is for me personally, the thing I do struggle with a bit is finding enough time to write my own um, content. Not so much LinkedIn. I'm, I'm, I've pretty much got that sorted now. But things like my blog, it does tend to get neglected a little bit when there's a lot of client work going on. Um, and also my email list has been woefully neglected this year. I wrote to them once. It was terrible. So, yeah. Um, so 2023, my plan is to be better at my email list, try and keep up with my LinkedIn, um, and also write on my blog, you know, at least once a week because I'm doing it for other people clients and I can yeah. see the benefit that they're getting from my blogs, you know, more traffic and so on. Um, and I haven't really done it enough for my own website. So that's, that's it really. The challenge is to do my own business writing. Um, and also I'm writing a novel at the moment as well. So that sort of is getting put to the bottom of piles. I need to carve out, you know, even if it was just an hour a week that I dedicate to it, at least yeah. eventually it gets done. But if you don't dedicate that time, you know, it never gets done. Oh, to totally get that. I mean, yeah, for for anyone who's just listening to this, you probably wouldn't have been like, you won't won't have seen the facial expressions I was making as Michelle was speaking there because everything resonated so much. <laughs> <laughs> I set off I set a target that I'd do it every one blog every week this year. And I, I did get off I was off to the races at the start of the year. Yeah. Um and then it's kind of fallen about the wayside. But I'm back on it. I'm back yeah, on it. It's hard to do it, to be disciplined and do it. You know, I've started carving out an hour every morning for my own business writing. Yeah. Same. So I don't start any client work until I've done that hour. And it might be, you know, it might be I'm writing a sales letter, you know, to, uh, to send out, yeah. um, you know, to accountants, for example, in the local area. Or I write my blog or mm -hmm. I, I write my LinkedIn posts. I'm trying to be consistent about doing that, much, you know, more recently. Yeah, I think and the temptation is still there to go and do the work that I know I'm, you know, I need to get done because somebody's paid me to do it. Yeah, but you know, if you manage your calendar well, then there should be time in the day to do that. And that that's an important point. I think it's something that a lot of people struggle with, um, new and existing business owners, for sure. Yeah. That time element and. And certainly the shiny object and the distractions and the comparisonitis that, that goes oh, on in the so background. Much of that. It doesn't um, help. It never helps. No, not at all. I mean, one thing that's really helped me with this is I've started listing out my priorities for a month, then into then dividing those into weeks and then time blocking my days. Yeah, I, it makes such a big difference. Um, I mean, I, I do that. I do a quarterly plan. Yeah. And then I that's broken down to weeks. And then, you know, you end up with your daily to-do list and everything that has to get done has a block in the calendar, whether it, you know, and they've all got different colours. So I can see it at a glance. Is it client work? Is it a meeting? You know, yep. or is it my own business writing? Whatever, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and even exercise and things. Yeah. So, you know, if it's in the nine to five, it goes in the calendar. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's an important. And it really helps. Oh, for sure, and I think that's an important lesson for anyone who's who's in business right now and think it's feeling a little overwhelmed. Just really oh, look at how you're spending your time. Yeah, 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 for sure. I did a really good exercise recently um, where I had to literally map out what I was doing in every, you know, in thirty minute increments across a day, mm -hmm. and it's amazing how much time you waste yeah. if you haven't got a plan. Just... Uh, yeah. Also, you know, like you said, you get, you get distracted by the notifications. Yeah. Or you, you know, you go and look at your email too often. And, you know, if you go on LinkedIn, oh my God, you can easily, you, you know, an hour can go by easily just from mindless. <laughs> yeah. I try not to do that anymore. I'm very intentional with my time now. Yeah. That's one thing I'm actually doing this week. I'm doing an activity from, uh, from James Clear's Atomic Habits where I'm going to call out any sort of bad habits. So being very intentional because I know, yeah, I can get scrolling away in LinkedIn and yeah. you can lose time. 
we're all guilty of it. So, yeah. But yeah, if you can try and kind of rein that in, then you obviously would be more productive in your business. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And there will be a new blog released by me this week. It will. I it's did happening. write one on Friday, so I'm feeling like I probably don't need to do one until this Friday coming. Fabulous. <laughs> I, I mean, I might write it, you know, not tomorrow because I'm going Christmas shopping, but uh, maybe Wednesday I might get round to it in my, my one-hour block, at least get started on it anyway. Yeah, I, I mean, I've started writing it, so it'll come out. It's, it's a fun one anyway. I've literally just got to put examples in there. And I was having fun with it on Friday, even though I was feeling I had the lurgy on, on Friday. So it took me about an hour to write, like, one sentence. But it, it it's it's coming along. So yeah. Work in progress. Keep going. You'll get there. <laughs> Absolutely. I don't know why I didn't just not bother on Friday, but I was sometimes like, I've got to crack on. I've got to crack on. <laughs> yeah, it's like, sometimes Ash. it doesn't, it doesn't pay to do that. I, yeah. mean, I find if I get to, you know, if I sometimes sit down to do a piece of client writing and I'm sitting there and thinking, you know, I'm struggling to get started. I, I've learned now not to force it. Yeah. One, it's painful. And two, yeah. you, you, what you've written isn't your best stuff. Yeah. So I, I go away, I go and do something else or I, you know, just do some easy admin, just something I don't have to think too hard about and come back when, you know, when the time's better or when the time's, you know, never necessarily the time's right because yeah. you know, how can you know, but, you know, come back when you feel more motivated, more energised about that particular piece of work and you'll produce something far better. Yeah, I love that. I, I think you can apply that same lesson. I know I have to kind of pretty much anything in business, really. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. I couple of weeks back i was having a right stress with my website i couldn't figure it out and i was are a pain. <laughs> yeah yeah it, but it, the star. <laughs> that's true it's true but i just knew that the solution was simple mm-hmm. but i couldn't i couldn't see it i bound onto youtube i looked on google for the solution and i was getting more and more wound up and i was like right breathe take a beat go for a walk Go to the co-working space that you like. Mm-hmm. When you get there, have a cup of coffee, possibly have a cake. Yeah. Then open the computer mm-hmm. and get to work. Yep. And like I said, five minutes, the solution was there. Yeah. That's um, the cake, Ash. The absolutely. Cake. You, you, <laughs> you, you know me. Yeah. Ashley Griffiths. Tea and cake sauce. Uh, absolutely. Life, yeah. Powered, my business is powered by carrot cake. Yeah. <laughs> Give me a chocolate fudge, please, or a lemon drizzle. Oh, fabulous, fabulous. Yes, my carrot cake post the other week really went well. So I think in, in terms of content, when you were saying earlier, don't overthink it. Yeah. <laughs> post a piece of carrot cake, people will love it. Yeah, exactly. Okay, Koki, so moving on. Um, while you were building up your businesses, and you made the decision to homeschool your boys. And in recent years, this is a subject that has grabbed a lot of media attention. Um, and the government has also weighed in with with their opinions on this. Yeah. But what is for certain is that more and more families are choosing elective home study. Um, just last year, the Association of the Directors of Children's Services reported a 34% increase in the amount of kids being homeschooled. So what what were the reasons for you choosing to do that with your lads? Yeah, you're right. I mean, there is a big increase in the home educating community, uh, particularly since COVID, because obviously um, sure. you know, people got, got uh, their kids at home. I wouldn't say they were home educating. They were doing school at home. And I'll kind of explain that distinction in a minute if you'd like me to, but... The reason I uh, originally took my older child out of school, um, he was he has various special needs which weren't being well met. He's he has autism, he has okay. ADHD and dyspraxia, so a few okay. challenges. Yeah. Um, he found school very difficult, um, not so much academically, although it eventually it affected his academics, but just the whole environment. He was bullied. Um, he couldn't really sort of find his way around easily. He wasn't organized. He kept losing his stuff. And that's like an impact of his dyspraxia. Um, and he, he he was just overwhelmed the entire sure. time. He eventually started refusing to go to school. 
and school sort of, you know, tried to basically bully him into going to mm. school and they weren't really helpful in giving us techniques to help him. Uh, they just said, well, you know, if he doesn't come to school, then, you know, you'll get a, you know, you'll get a visit from the education welfare, welfare officer and if he still doesn't come to school, then you'll go to court. And so it was very, very stressful. You know, he was coming home, melting down, having tantrums. He, bear in mind, he's 12 at this point. Um, you know, just it, he's, his life was miserable. Sure. And, you know, we, we went back and forth to the school, you know, throughout year seven, trying to get the right support for him in lessons. Nothing was forthcoming. They did give him a laptop to use in, in a couple of lessons uh, because he struggled to write quickly because of his dyspraxia. So, you know, go into lesson and the teacher would say, right, you need to copy this down from the board. And of course, he, he could have, you know, he was given a certain amount of time and mm-hmm. do it in that time. So they gave him a laptop and they, they put him in mindfulness classes for his anxiety, which obviously wasn't enough. Mm-hmm. So in the end, without, without support, you know, we, we couldn't continue. So I, I kind of felt that, you know, I was left with no option but to remove him from the school for, you know, for the good of his mental health because he was saying things you don't want to hear from a 12-year-old at that point. Sure. Um, or from anyone, of course, but, you know, you don't want your child telling you that they, they don't want to be here anymore. So um, we took him out of school. That was in 2015. He'd done the first year of high school. And um, and then, and that, you know, I, I, he kind of had a period of time where he needed to decompress from his experience. Mm. Um, so that, you know, was going on. And the other child was actually just going into the same school at the time and, and when we took Alex out. So that was challenging because mm-hmm. you've got an 11 year old say, well, why have I got to go to school? Why have I got to have homework? Why have I got to wear uniform when his brother wasn't doing any of those things? So yeah, eventually he nagged me long enough to, the, that I took him out as well. He didn't have okay. any of the same challenges and he would have done perfectly well in school, but there wasn't a compelling enough reason to leave him in school sure? because I could see that he could you know, um, do just as well. Sure. Being home educated and he would, he could, could take all the good bits um, into education and leave behind all, all the things that, you know, particularly secondary schools, uh, you know, can be challenging places, you know? Yeah. Oh, so, for sure. Yeah. So that's sort of why we decided to home educate. Okay. Yeah. And, it, um, yeah. and you know, we sort of homework was excessive in my view. Behavior management was difficult. You know, there were lots of kids messing about in class mm. and stuff like that. You know, I found, I, I actually feel it's quite a restricted curriculum as well. Oh, yeah. And not a lot of choice when it comes to GCSEs. So, you know, you'd have to, you'd be told you have to do seven and then you get a choice of the other two. Like, that's not really much of a choice. You know? Yeah. So there were lots of reasons, but, um, yeah, it was driven by the fact that my, my child wasn't. Kind of being supported properly initially. Yeah, I, I totally get. It. I've, I've I've worked with kids in similar situations that are just not getting the support for you know, be it autism, dyspraxia, dyslexia, ADHD, yeah. <laughs> um, even even other conditions. Um, I've worked with a kid with PTSD from that that came from <laughs> being in the school environment. Um, that. I mean, I, when I ca- when I took the kids out, about a year after I took the kids out, there was a big push by the government. Well, actually, not the government, but by a Labour peer yeah. um, in the House of Lords to try and um, put in lots more controls over what home educating parents yes. do. Yes, Lord Solney, his name was. Yes, I remember. And this. I did a um, a survey of um, about two over two hundred home educating families to find out lots of you know why they taken their children out of school mm-hmm. what the reasons for it what experiences have they had and i was absolutely shocked to hear some really awful stories yeah um about you know lack of of, of um provision you know for a lot there's a lot of of the send kids in the in the home education community yep. the schools aren't meeting their needs yeah totally and they're not just you know learning difficulties and th- you know things like adhd but also Medical needs weren't yep. being well met. And the yep. other thing that was absolutely shocking was the amount of bullying that the kids were being um, exposed to, not just from peers, but also from teachers. Yes. 
So they, you know, there was a wide range of reasons why um, parents had taken their children out of school. But to be fair, none of them were good. Yeah, I've I've heard some really shocking stories yeah. from from kids and parents, and and yeah, just the bullying as well, and and the fact that the environment. I think there's a lot of pressure in the education system now because of the you know stuff like um, well, what's the name? What's what's the name of the body? goes Ofsted that's it yeah. isn't it yeah um because of like the Ofsted the league tables the fact yeah. that yeah, it's, it's driven by edu- numbers and yeah. it just takes away the human I know a lot of the teachers are in a lot of pressure and a lot of them aren't trained to deal with people no. with challenges and they've got to like do all these tick box exercises which yeah. means you lose yeah yeah, there's no, time, there's no time for creativity in the way that teachers teach. They're not allowed to. It's very prescriptive. And uh, I just, yeah, I just didn't really want that for my kids. Yeah, I totally get that. I wanted I mean, them to have, I wanted them to like learning, which they didn't at school. They just, you know, it was something that they felt they had to tolerate. Um, and I, I wanted them to, to learn things that they were interested in learning. Sure. So, you know, we didn't. The, we only put two criteria on my children. Uh, so we, I mean, my husband and I, we said mm-hmm. non-negotiables are you will do English and maths GCSE. Sure. Everything else is up to you. Okay. You choose what you want to do because when they do that, they're more, you know, they're more engaged in it. They want to do it. But, you know, yeah, absolutely. Other than they're being told they have to. Um, so, you know, my my older son who has, you know, the learn challenges, not learning challenges, I mean, just and it obviously now he's overcome a lot of them, but um, he was struggling in school with those sure. things. He wasn't interested at all in doing exams at that point. So in the end, he did film studies, G- uh, film studies, GCSE, maths, and English. So he had three. He got good grades in all of them, but he had only had three, which was a little bit difficult in moving forward to the next sure. level of education. Um. But it didn't hold him back. So he had three GCSEs, these three GCSEs, and he um, decided, with a little bit of encouragement from me, that he was going to do a digital marketing apprenticeship. And there was oh, a local company, uh, you know, a couple of miles up the road from where we live, who um, were looking for an apprentice. Um, and it's, it was, a, you know, it was a proper qualification. Um, from the uh, was Chartered Institute of Marketing or one of those other bodies. But anyway, um, he needed to have five GCSEs to, to do this course. Um, but he talked himself onto it anyway. Fair so, play, and, and he passed. Um, so, you know, you don't, they're not the be all and end all in my view. You know, no. you can't, there are different routes to success. And I think there's, there's so much pressure on secondary age children now and you know must have you know eight or ten a star gcse's and otherwise their life is over type you know type yeah but and that comes back to these stupid bloody league tables yeah language but no go for it 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 doesn't um yeah they get too hung up on on statistics and don't think about the child themselves and so you've got people who are you know there's a huge increase in self-harming in the teenage Mm. population there's a huge increase in anxiety and depression and children on medication for depression. It's just like, what are we doing here? Yeah, it's I not. I don't understand it. And I didn't want that for my kids. So I thought, right, no, take them out. There's all this, there really is all the time in the world because, you know, you, you can go into higher education later on. You don't have to yeah, go at totally. 18. In fact, I think for a lot of kids, it's too, too early to be making a decision about what yeah. they want to do. Yeah. I don't know until you've had a bit of life experience. You know? And for my older son, who's now um, actually going to apply to university, he's, he will be 20 in January. So, you know, by the time he goes, he'll be coming up 21. Okay. Um, I, now is the, top, the time is right. He's had some work experience. He went and worked in the local deli at the top of our road to get some money while he thought about what he wanted to do realised he didn't want to be in retail for the rest of his life and thought a bit harder about what he might be interested in and, and decided he was going to go back to university and, and study psychology. 
So, you know, there are different paths to, to getting where you want to go in life. Oh, I love that. I love that. And I totally agree. I think, you know, going back to my career and my life, I, I argued the toss with my school when I was 18 that I'm not going to university next year because I don't know what I want to study. So why am I going to go? Oh, well, you've got to do your UCAS. Why? Then it just became this old dance. And in the end, I went a year later. But I think if I look back now, I'd have probably done something like what your son did because I had the opportunity to do um, a management training program in the job I was in at the time. And I think the experience there would have been invaluable and I'd have got so much more out of the course because ultimately when I went to university when I was 19, I just went and partied for four years. Yeah. You know, it's very when... interesting because both of my children decided to stay at home. Yeah. So they're not going away to uni. They want to go to a London-based university and be at home. Neither of them are interested in sort of partying. Yeah. You know, they're very focused now that they, you know, they've come to, well, the younger one has, has, um, is going at the same age as his peers. He, he could have gone last year, but he's, he took a year out and he worked. Mm-hmm. And, that, and I think, yeah, like you're saying, it gives you so much more ex, uh, sort of life experience and, and real world experience, which makes you realise that if you're going to go to university and do well, you do actually have to you know, kind of knuckle down and do the work. Oh, sure. Yeah, and sort of partying the whole of the first year is all very well because I know you know most degrees the first year doesn't count towards your yeah. overall grade, but come the second year when you really do have to be on it, it's a big shock to the system. Sure. So I'm quite you know I think that because my children weren't sort of put through that treadmill constant mm. treadmill of, of secondary school, now that they've come to university, they're both really really focused. Sure. on getting the best degree they possibly can yeah, you know, because they uh, don't feel the need to kind of rebel, if you like. From yeah, that, I get that. That, that. that high pressure of academia, like, you know, sure. it's tough sure. and relentless. Yeah. My nephew's going through that A-levels at the moment at school. You know, he, he's feeling the pressure. Oh, God, I remember it very well. And then, uh, you know, to go straight into uni, I think, you know, Maybe we should give children or young adults as they are, um, you know, a couple of years out to do maybe some community-based projects, yeah. projects or obviously in some countries, excuse me, <coughs> obviously in some countries they, they go into the military. Yep. You know, and that gives them a lot of life experience. I'm not yeah. suggesting we would do that here, but, um, you know, do, maybe doing some community-based work would be a good thing before they went back to do their degree. I don't know. What do you think? I wholeheartedly agree that having now gone in and, and doing a university, I did my master's as a mature student and I loved it. Absolutely loved it. And it dedicated my heart and soul to it because I saw the value in it. Yeah. I didn't when I was 18. I just no, was like, that's what you, you do. Yeah, that's what you do. And Cause you don't, you don't realize what it means. You know, yeah. I didn't do my degree until I was 41. Cool. Um, I think so that's I a studied, great time to do it. I studied my um, accountancy qualification. Sure. You know, immediately after finishing school. Um, but then I, I, you know, I wanted to go and do a degree, and I, I ended up going to the Open University mm. and doing it you know, on a part-time basis. Um, and you know, you, at that point, you you do it because you really want to do it. You know, you're sure. motivated. Eighteen. You know, it's unusual, I think, for children that are really highly motivated. Obviously, some will be, and generally, yeah. of course. But like you, if you'd gone at 18, not really knowing what you wanted to study, you know, you probably would have just been in the bar most of the time. Yeah, which which I was. Um, <laughs> because, I mean, ultimately, you know, I didn't see the value of it. Yeah. I, I just did it because that's what you did, because that guaranteed you that you would get a good job. Yeah, and, and it doesn't now it, it doesn't and it didn't then you know i specialized in hr and i couldn't get a hr job to save my life mm-hmm. afterwards so i ended up going back to hospitality management because that was like the you know there they'd take me um but hr was like i remember every interview i went to got no experience I'm like well, you you, you've seen my goddamn cv you knew that before it's hard. <laughs> you know, it, oh, it was soul destroying. And... Yeah, I think 
Yeah, also, you know, universities are looking for students who are going to study. You know, that's yeah. what they want, right? So, you know, you've got to write the personal statement. And if you've got things on your personal statement that show that you've been doing things in the community, yeah, you know, or something outside of the standard, you know, what would be expected from a school child, then they're the sorts of people that universities really want. So, you, you know, my younger son has worked as a trampoline coach for five years now. He's at this you know, he's only 18. He started working one, one hour a week when he was 13 and Love built that. it up. And in the last couple of years, he's been um, also a water baby, like baby swimming coach. Oh, fair play. And he's like the only male teacher in North London. Uh, so, you know, um, so he could put those on his on his personal statement, which makes him stand out. And Truly does. Know, my older son has set up his own little um, sort of part-time side hustle if you like so you might be interested in this because it's um you know the fifa game yes i do yeah, yeah. so he's got the um, one of the biggest fifa discords in the world so he's got this oh, good community lad. where you know they provide trading tips for the fifa game so he's got he's got like four traders that he pays um he's monetized it and he did all you know he's been doing it for about the last three years now i think oh good lad built up a community of i think he's um had about 90,000 members he's got now on wow. his Discord. Um, and he's, the skills that he learned from that are far beyond anything he would have learned in school. You oh, know, for sure. Yeah, he's all, he set up a, a fully functioning business, basically. It's on a small scale, but he recruits staff, he manages them, he has team meetings, he writes, you know, he's got policies around everything. Huge. You know, yeah, massive. It's and huge. All, you know, no, none of that was anything to do with what I you know, anything I did with him when he was being home educated, it, it, it was all led by him. Well, you opened it, you presented an environment for him to well, explore. I let, I, you know, it started by letting him decompress by yeah. video gaming quite a lot. And sure. I could see that he was actually picking up quite good transferable skills from that. So sure, and there's a lot. More, yeah. He did more of it. And I didn't really restrict the amount of screen, screen time that they had, which... I know a lot of parents are worried about, but I think now they're better able to um, recognise when they need to come away from the screen because yep. they've had to self-regulate. Sure. Um, and, you know, the, the skills that they've built up of, of being really beneficial, you know, for future use. So, I love that. Yeah, that's my... <laughs> oh, I love that. I love that. <laughs> and I think... Say to people who are thinking about home educating... Oh, I love that. I mean, yeah, I mean, you're, you're creating an op a, a different narrative, right? And you're creating yeah. the opportunity to do different things, which I think is fantastic. So we're coming to the end of our time together. So if there are any listeners out there looking for any support, do you have any offers or services that you would love to tell them about? If you're a time poor business owner and you kind of know what you want to write about, but you don't have time to do it, then um, obviously I could help you with that in terms of content for your LinkedIn primarily, which you can repost it to other, other um, services as well. Um, and your, your website, you know, your blogging content. Um, if you're client poor, then um, I could help you with some sales letters or emails. Um, and if you feel like your skills poor, then um, I can do some one-to-one -one writing coaching with you. And I, occasionally I do blog writing courses. I've done one for a while, but I feel a bit itchy there. And I might have to scratch that and put a, a blog writing course up in nice. the year. So that's a small course, like four to six um, participants, where you actually, during the course, you get to write the main sort of um, bulk of your blog and understand how to do all the SEO for that. Fabulous. So yeah, those are my normal services that I offer. Lovely, lovely. I will um, put some links to your sites and your LinkedIn yeah, so profile in the, the description. LinkedIn is the best way to contact me. Okay, perfect. And before we ride off into the sunset, you have the last question. Okay. That everybody has the pleasure of answering. Um, so what is your espresso shot of confidence for our listeners? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I'd say um, know when to outsource the stuff that you find hard or time-consuming because there are other people who can do it faster and better than you. 
um, and that frees you up to do the bits you are enjoying. So it would probably that. be my my tip. I mean, everyone in business needs yeah, good writing skills, and you, we can all learn to write better. I do truly believe that. Sure. But it might not be the best use of your time. Absolutely. I think that's important advice. Important advice. And on that note, I wanted to say a huge thank you for uh, sharing your awesomeness with us today. Thank you very much. That's yeah, been a pleasure. I think we could have probably kept going for another three hours on some of that stuff. Uh, <laughs> but maybe that's another episode. Uh, we yeah, can put not? the world's to write in about education systems and stuff Love next to. time. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. So on that note, I'd just like to say a huge thank you to you, the listeners, wherever you are in the universe. Be sure to subscribe wherever you are listening and watching this to get notifications of future episodes. And all that is left for me to say now is don't forget to be awesome.